0: So she reached out to me to say, you know, like, we're, we're, we're in need, um, you know, there is a shortage. And uh, do you think Munchkin would be able to, to donate blood? And I thought that I was really excited about that. Like, I was like, yeah, like, this would be perfect for him. He's, he's used to traveling, he comes with me to work. So he's like, for him, the vet is just like going to work with mom. Um, so he's like definitely not stressed uh, to be in that environment and I thought that that would be like a a great way for for him to kind of give back
1: Join us as we chat to amazing cat explorers and experts learn from them, listen to their war stories, celebrate their wins and laugh at the funny moments that have been a part of their journey Welcome to the Cat Explorer podcast. I'm Asara.
2: And I'm Daniel.
1: We're excited to jump into the world of cats donating blood, kayaking with your cat, cat exploring with the dog, and getting your cat to do tricks on live TV. But before we do, we would like to thank our Cat Explorer producers who are making this episode possible. A huge thank you to our season seven co-producers, Roxy the Kitty, Ziggy and Charlie, Luna Misty Blue, Adami, Mac, Patch and Ava, and Bowie the Siberian. If you love what Cat Explorer does and you'd love to support us, we would love it if you could join the Cat Explorer Purse Squad. There's information on how to do that in the episode description of your podcasting app.
2: We've been pretty lucky to have some amazing Cat Explorers on the podcast, and today's guest is no exception. Not only has Munchkin been on TV to show what cats are capable of, he also goes kayaking, hiking, and even donates blood to help other cats. We're so excited to chat to his mom, Gabrielle, today. Welcome to the podcast, Gabrielle.
1: Thank you. We'd love to hear a bit about Munchkin. How did he come into your
0: life? Um, So Munchkin found his way into our lives when he was only three days old. Um, I'm working as an animal health technician in a veterinary hospital, and a client had actually dropped uh, a pair of kittens at the door and literally ran away. Um, So we didn't really know what the situation was with uh, his mom, if if she was in the picture before or not, Um, but at that age kittens are actually blind and deaf and they rely um, very heavily on their mom for survival. They can't regulate their body temperature, And um, when they're being hand fed, they have to be hand fed every two hours. Otherwise, they um, can very quickly go into hypoglycemic shock um, and they can die quite suddenly from that. So seeing as the hospital that I work at is not a 24 hour hospital, there's no one there overnight. So there was absolutely no way the kittens could stay there overnight. So naturally, uh, they ended up coming home with me. And um, I set my alarm and woke up every two hours to feed them. Um, because they had to be fed so frequently, they I actually had to bring them everywhere with me. So I would do their feeding and then I would go to the gym, bring them with me, set them up in their carrier at the back of the class, do my class and then um, go straight to work from there. Once I was at work, luckily, my colleagues were able to um, help out. <laughs> and so... Um, like on their lunch breaks, they would do a feeding on my lunch break. I would do a feeding, um, and so on. And, um, so I did that for about five weeks and then finally they were weaned. So they're a little bit more independent at this point. Um, and so they would stay primarily at my house because although they're independent, um, this is a really crucial stage of development for kittens. They really need to stay with their mom or at least their siblings um, until at, we- at least eight weeks of age, although new studies are seeing 12 weeks, um, because this is when they're learning crucial social skills from mom and from siblings. And that's going to make them better able to adapt uh, in the future. Um, so, And we had fostered like many cats uh, before Munchkin. Um, so I actually had another litter of kittens at the same time, a little bit older, so they all kind of socialized together. There's a little kitten party going on at my house. Um, they all got to socialize with my dog and meet different people, um, just so that once they finally get their their forever home, they're a little bit better able to adapt to whatever is to come, whether it's you know whether that family has a dog or kids. Um, and you know, Munchkin definitely from the beginning kind of stood out amongst all the cats that we have fostered. We definitely had a a, a stronger bond with him. Um, but, you know, the goal the goal is to get them adopted and to then make room for more um, cats in the future that need it. So when everyone was eight weeks of age, they did go back to the hospital and they went in a little a condo where um, clients can kind of see the cats we have for adoption. And everybody got adopted except for Munchkin. (laughs) Um, And every time I would come to work, you know, he would like get so excited to see me, and he would greet me like, "Oh, hey, mom! Like, you're back!" Um, And he would follow me around the hospital. And after a week of that, I was just like, "Okay, no, you're you're coming home to stay. You're mine now."
1: (laughs) Oh, that's just—it's a lovely story to see that he's come so far as well, like from being dumped at the hospital to now he just he recognized you as his family straight away so that's really yeah. lovely were you thinking about getting a cat at that point or were you just mainly focusing on fostering
0: um we we weren't planning to get a cat at that time uh we had just lost um our uh my my boyfriend's first cat um he actually told me that he hated cats when when he met me, so luckily uh, I kept an open mind and I gave him a chance. Um, you know, I thought, nobody hates cats. They're just misinformed. And um, I was just super honest with him. I said, you know, like, I love cats and I'm gonna have another one. Um, and the very, very first cat that we that I fostered when I was living with him, he begged me to keep. He fell in love. Um, it was actually a senior cat, so we did what we call in the field a compassionate adoption. Um, you know, you know that they don't have a lot of time left, but you kind of take them home so that they can have like a a home environment to live out their days with. And, uh, you know, the cat hater (laughs) got super attached. Um, and it was, you know, it was still hard, even though we didn't have them a very long time. And so we were just kind of taking some time, um, taking a little break from that and just fostering, uh, in the meantime, it's really
1: lovely that you continued fostering, even though I imagine how challenging that must have been. So that's a really lovely thing that you did. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Um this
1: is kind of related, munchkin, but not really. I'm really curious. How often do you find cats or kittens being dumped at the veterinarian like without a history or anything like that? Does that happen quite often?
0: Unfortunately it does. Um, sometimes we work with local rescues and so they'll go out and they'll uh, do TNR trap neuter release. Um, And if they have like a a feral mom whose kittens are young enough, then we'll take them in so that we can um, socialize them. Um, And sometimes it's, you know, clients who, who find uh, cats, but uh, I'd say, unfortunately, it's maybe like once a year that uh, we have kind of people who just drop drop and run. And so we don't, we have no idea what the background of these cats are.
1: I guess that's something for us to bear in mind is that sometimes we, perhaps we can help out in those situations where perhaps the veterinary clinic, like the staff have too many cats that they're fostering or something at the time. And if you're interested, that's some, maybe a way that people can help out as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We can always use foster homes. Um, The, you know, a vet hospital is not really a great place for cats, there's there's sick pets coming in, um, there's not necessarily enough people to, to socialize these animals, so it's, you know, it's always best, you know, either if it's a vet clinic or sometimes shelters too, especially like, you know, neonatal kittens like Munchkin, it's just not a, a place for them to be, their immune system is super susceptible and they really need um, the, the social skills that they're going to learn in a home environment.
1: Mm, that's a really good point as well. So let's circle back to Munchkin.
0: Tell us a little bit about him. Um, Munchkin is, well, he's super smart, which is great for training, but he's also a handful. Um, actually, when I was trying uh, to prepare for our little chat, um, I had to find a pair of earphones that weren't chewed. <laughs> <laughs> so he can be a little destructive at times he's also we've had to like baby proof our whole house because he knows how to open doors um I came home and he'd opened the cupboard where we keep his toys taken out the box taken off the lid um where we keep his balls and there was just balls scattered like all over the house <laughs> so he's definitely you know he brings a lot of life to, to the house I don't know how we you know went as long as we did without a cat because it's like super quiet when he's when he's not around
2: I love how playful and full of energy he sounds like he's just he, it comes up with so many surprises from the sounds of things it's opening doors and getting into his toys and so forth <laughs> we get the same thing with Lumos and Noxie where they're full of life and they're I think they're a lot smarter than they let on sometimes and they're smarter than they sh- probably should be because sometimes they outsmart us and they get into things and they hide things or, like, things have... You You get downstairs after a night and you go, this looks like the scene of a crime and what's going on here? And, and you sort of try to piece it back together. Go, It's like something's missing. Where did that go? And like, I'm looking underneath cupboards and underneath couches for, like, their puzzle toys, which they, I knew was on a box before I went to bed and now it's no longer there. The box is flipped over and everything in the box is taken. So it's just like <laughs> being a detective and trying to piece everything back together.
1: Yeah. And, and I like what you say about like, it's it's hard to imagine life before they were in our lives. Like it was very different. Yeah. Like for example, Daniel grew up without any pets and this must be very different for you now.
2: Yeah. I've enjoyed living with pets and especially my two, the most Anoxys. So it is very different life, but you sort of can't imagine without them now.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: So, with Munchkin, what kind of cat exploring do you do with him?
0: Um. So primarily, so I do have a dog as well, a Cowboy, and so he loves to come on our on our walks. So I have like the two of them together, and we just walk. Like I'm walking two dogs, and people usually kind of do a double take when they realize that like one of these things is not like the other. Um, Um, and I am lucky enough that there's a lot of like undeveloped, uh, forest, uh, land in my neighborhood. So sometimes if it's like nice enough, we'll, we'll head out in the woods and then the dog can be off leash. So, um, that's a, you know, that's probably like the, the most of what we do. Um, but what they really love is like going to the beach um Munchkin since he was little always had a, a fascination with water and he just loves to kind of like skim the, the shoreline and check out frogs and just like see the, the geese that are coming up and that's like definitely his his element.
1: That's really, really cute. <laughs> I um wanted to circle back to how you go cat. Well, cat exploring with both a cat and a dog. How do you manage having both of them? Do you find that they have similar levels
0: of how fast they walk and things like that? Um, well, I'm really lucky, um in a sense. Um cowboy's a, a senior. He's uh he's 15 years old now. And I say lucky because, um, you know, like a lot of my friends and colleagues, um, their their pets, you know, don't didn't necessarily live to be as old as mine. So I feel, um, you know, I I feel uh, (laughs) trying to find my words now. Yes, I feel I feel blessed that he's still that in my life. Um, and so it kind of actually works out perfectly because they walk at exactly the same pace at the, <laughs> at this time.
2: And is it just yourself when you go for those walks or as in a human, or do you take someone else to try and manage it a little bit better?
0: Um, so usually it's just myself. Uh, sometimes my boyfriend does join us on our walks, but I'll usually be holding both the leashes anyways. <laughs> Just because they do walk well uh together.
2: I have to say I'm super impressed that you can take both a cat and a dog and handle both of them by yourself.
0: And, well, I have yeah. to admit the the first time that I did it it was a bit of a spectacle. I think I was <laughs> definitely the crazy cat lady in my neighborhood because the dog was super excited that the cat was coming with us and he kept wanting to play with him. And like the cat didn't, you know, he wasn't really um, as well-trained as he is now. So walking in a straight line wasn't really happening. And then he didn't want to be carried either. So we didn't make it very far that
2: time. So then with Munchkin and Cowboy and their interactions, like did they always get along? Like do they, And Or do they always get along? Or was it sort of a case of a bit of a standoffish and trying to learn each other's behaviors and what they're like?
0: Um, Well, because Munchkin was so little when we first brought him in, and Cowboy has uh, grown up with cats since the very beginning, um, he's – super good he's like the nanny dog he's helped me foster all of my my foster cats he'll he'll be the mama cat if you will and he'll clean them up after they've eaten and so yeah Munchkin really grew up with cowboy kind of like looking out for him and so they're just like best friends
1: that's so sweet do you
0: find like I
1: always find that people who go cat exploring with their dogs they actually find that their cats are a lot better at like walking in a line or um going straight or things like that because they take their cues from the dogs. Have you found that with munchkin as well?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If um if my dog is with my parents one weekend, then like cat exploring for munchkin is a different, it's really more of the exploring. <laughs> mm. Um but when we're when we're together with Cowboy, especially like Cowboy will be off leash and so he'll just kind of lead the way. Um, and, and yeah, Munchkin really likes that. He really likes to just kind of follow his, his big brother. That's
1: adorable. And then how about off-leash dogs, like other off-leash dogs? How does Munchkin react with them? Because I suppose he's used to cowboy, but does he have that same interaction with them? The, uh, like, as in other dogs you meet? Uh,
0: he'll be, I think, a little bit cautious, not, not scared. Um, I. I do pet sit a little bit. And so luckily uh, I was kind of babysitting a different dog every week when we first officially adopted Munchkin. So he is really used to dogs of all different sizes um, and uh, energy levels too. So, um, you know, if it gets like a little Yorkie, he doesn't really care. He'll sniff them and he'll keep going. If it's like a, a big dog, he might kind of like stay close and sort of like wait and see um what they're going to do but it's more often than not that the dog is scared of munchkin <laughs> <laughs> because he doesn't run away and so they don't have that instinct to chase and he'll walk towards them and they're so not used to seeing a cat that they're kind of like oh my gosh what is this thing and it's it's actually happened to us once that Munchkin took off chasing the dog.
2: <laughs> I love that.
0: <laughs> so what do you
1: normally do in those situations? Because I under, I imagine that the other owner of the dog is probably like, What do I do now? My dog is kind of his cat? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh well I do walk munchkin on like a, an extendable leash. So he kind of got to the end of the leash and then uh <laughs> <laughs> and then the dog got, was saved from there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's funny,, uh, because I have seen like we're going to cover it a bit later on about the time when Munchkin was on TV, and he was really good around other animals. so that it might be the fact that because you socialized him so well, so early on that it's really, really helped. I suppose that's a sign for all of us that like socializing very early on really does help with that kind of stuff,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said that that especially in that early, age when their like minds are developing just um that's at the point where they're not necessarily scared and so every positive interaction that they have um they kind of it kind of gives them confidence and so even if it's a new dog later on in life that they've never seen before they're like better adapted to um to to meet that dog and to not have like a fearful response
1: mm. yeah that's awesome
2: so just jumping back to Munchkin and cat exploring, we love that you take Munchkin on the kayak. How did you introduce him to it? And can you tell us a little bit about it?
0: Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like I said, he did, he was fascinated with water. So, you know, that's definitely the, the first step was, you know, we didn't want to put him in a situation where he was going to be scared. Um, but it's still something New and different. Um, and cats are naturally like neophobic. so uh, i really I really wanted him to join us on the kayak. It was something I already did with my dog. so I really took the time to make sure that it was something that he was going to enjoy as well. Um, so I really desensitized him like b- baby steps with the kayak. So the very first thing I did is I took the kayak outside and I put it in my in my lawn. Um, and with clicker training and positive reinforcement, I basically just got him to like get on the kayak and get off of the kayak while it was on dry land. Um, and then I kind of worked up to, I have like a little cart for it that I used to cart it down to the water. And so I would get him to like sit on it and I would just kind of like wheel it around in the backyard. And then eventually, like when he was super comfortable with that to the point that if I take the kayak out, he's now running and jumping on it because he knows like he's going to get treats. Um, So I brought it down to the lake and I kind of like tied it up to the dock and I got him to get in the kayak while it was in the water, but not like it was tied to the It was secured to the dock so it wasn't moving and just, you know, like rewarded him for getting Uh, in the kayak while it was in the water as well. And then we would just start doing like really small, like just like two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden we were going camping and we were doing like a three hour kayak trip with the portage and he just was loving it. That's so awesome. What
1: I do like is that you
0: did it in those
1: tiny little steps. Do Do you remember how long that whole process
0: took you? Um, from when we first pulled the kayak out to like our first real like outing, it was, uh, it was probably like three months. Mm. Yeah. Because I think, um, a lot of
1: people hear that process and they think it happened within a day or a week or something, but it's actually just constant positive reinforcement and taking it step by step. So it's pretty awesome that you did that. You mentioned that you use clicker training. Was that like with a target stick to get him to sit on the kayak?
0: Um, so at the time that we did train him for the kayak, I didn't have a target stick. I hadn't really heard much about them. So it's totally doable without a target stick, but now looking back, it probably would have been even easier, um, and, and probably a little bit faster if I did have a target stick.
2: And so how did Munchkin react on the water? Like, did he take to, even though, so you, you took him through that training process So he was comfortable on land, but did he find the waves or the water rolling different enough that he would have a different reaction or was he totally chill and enjoying it?
0: He was too chill. (laughs) 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 So The kayak, it's like a little bit slippery and it's not perfectly flat. And he was just like walking from one end of the kayak to the other. And I was like, oh my God, he is going to fall in. I need to get him a life jacket.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. He has so much confidence. D- did you have Cowboy with you at the time?
0: So I didn't bring Cowboy with me when we first started training him for the lake because I knew that that would have been a little bit too hectic. Um, but I did last summer take them both on the same kayak and that was uh, a handful, but definitely a fun time. Because <laughs> I've seen videos of
1: Munchkin on the kayak and Cowboy swimming next to the kayak is that how it normally goes or are they both just like trying to fight for the best spot on the kayak?
0: <laughs> no, it's, it's definitely a lot more enjoyable for everyone. Uh, when my boyfriend's with us and we each have our own kayak, um, Munchkin will ride with him and Cowboy will kind of ride with me, but Cowboy is also like in and out of the kayak, which is why it's not great to have the two of them on one. Cause Cowboy's going to want to jump out and swim and then get back in. And it's like, a little bit too crowded <laughs> and then his munchkin likes water does he like
1: swimming or is he just uh he just likes being near water
0: he is super fascinated by it and hates getting his feet wet like to the point where if we're like exploring and there's a puddle he kind of looks at me like now what <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome.
1: I did want to circle back to what you were saying about the kayak being slippery because I found out recently that there's these things called sticky paws and you can stick the – they've been designed for stand-up paddle boards so you can go on a stand-up paddle board with your dog. But I think that might be an option for people who are worried about slippery kayaks or slippery stand-up paddle boards. And it literally helps your cat or dog um, not slide around on the board so they can sit on it. So maybe that's an option for anyone who's got those concerns as well.
2: So how does it work does it attach to the board yeah and so your like a dog walks on that and that's sort of a, a more um friction surface
1: yeah that's what i gather so like they looked like really big paw prints and they just look like um to me looking at it online it looked like double-sided tape kind of that kind of peely kind of thing that you can put down and you just put it down on the board and um they said that it was waterproof and things like that so there are a few options out there it's just finding one that's available in your country and also like affordable as well yeah
0: yeah no that's super cute I definitely gonna look into that I have like um, a neoprene like rubber mat that I kind of cut out and put on the front but and I'll definitely check that out
1: Yeah, even like something like that, even like that at the neoprene mat would be a great option as well, because I think um, we don't think about that being an issue till you're out there in the middle of the lake and your cat's sliding around on your kayak or (laughs) stand-up paddleboard, so I just thought I'd mention that.
2: So now, I want to talk about something else which just enhances Munchkin's reputation as a super cat, which is he (laughs) recently donated blood, which we thought was really awesome. How do you find out that he can donate blood and is that something you can do at all the clinics?
0: Yeah, so I learned about uh, the, the blood donor program when I was um, studying in animal health. Um, so when we took our hematology course, we learned all about blood typing and blood transfusions in, in cats. Um, and that's when we learned that the, that the referral uh, center has a blood donor program. Um, at that time, Cowboy was too old And um, so was the cat that that I had back then. So uh, neither of them were really eligible for it. So um, I kind of had it in the back of my mind for, for several years. And then um, after I got Munchkin, like he had just, he was almost one or had just turned one. And one of the vets that I used to work with uh, is now doing her residency to be an internal medicine specialist at the referral center. So she reached out to me to say, you know, like, we're, we're, we're in need, um, you know, there is a shortage. And uh, do you think Munchkin would be able to, to donate blood? And I thought that I was really excited about that. Like, I was like, yeah, like, this would be perfect for him. He's, he's used to traveling, he comes with me to work. So he's like, for him, the vet is just like going to work with mom um so he's like definitely not stressed to to be in that environment and I thought that that would be like a a great way for for him to kind of give back
1: yeah that's so true like one thing you really mentioned there I guess is that if you do want your if you think your pet is the right kind of temperament to donate blood that's just something that you really need to remember is if they get nervous at the vet or they're very aggressive at the vet they're probably not the right type but yeah I like that yeah exactly Yeah, Munson's quite relaxed because he goes there all the time. You mentioned that it's a referral clinic. Like, do you know whether there's a way that other members of the Cat Explorer community can find out whether there's anywhere that they can donate blood, or is that something that we should reach out to our veterinarians about?
0: Yeah, I mean, it definitely is going to change um, from from place to place. Um, where I work, you know, the cases that require blood uh, transfusions, we're typically going to refer them um because we have these like 24/7 emergency centers where all the specialists uh work so um all of those um big hospitals that do specialized uh medicine they they're all equipped for for blood transfusions um but i think like in smaller more rural places where there's really only like one local vet they're they're probably doing it as well i know that uh some veterinary hospitals will have like a, what we call a clinic cat. So sometimes a cat that we fail to adopt out, will just kind of adopt them to the hospital and they'll just live like at the hospital. Um, and so that way, like when you have a case that comes in that needs like an emergency transfusion, then, you know, you, the, the clinic cat kind of is, stands up for that.
1: So for example, with human transfusions, or blood donations you just go to the blood bank and you donate your blood there and usually like I think there's a certain number of hours that that blood can be used is that the same with animal don out uh, animal blood donations or is that something that just happens if there's a case that they need blood for then they call in the um, donors
0: um so the blood definitely de- it, it um it's like they have to use it within a certain uh time frame so they can store it um, but they, they, it definitely, they can't keep it for a, a long time. Um, there's no like walk-in blood donor clinics, like with humans, because there is kind of a screening uh, process involved first, um, and that takes a bit of time.
2: So can you, so then can you talk us through that process? So you, obviously you, you mentioned the cat has to get screened and then what happens from there?
0: Um, so the very first step is we had to fill out like a little um, form um, and they just want to kind of see, um, you know, is the cat like, uh, you know, is it going to have a good temperament for the blood donation? Um, is this a cat who is allowed to roam freely outdoors and might possibly be in contact with like other feral cats um, or, you know, their lower risk, um, things like that. And then uh, we, once everything looked good on that, we went in for um, a physical health exam. So they wanna make sure that the cat is healthy. Um, and they really do like a full, full physical exam. They do um, a full blood test. They um, they check um, for heart disease. Um, they check for blood parasites, other uh, ch- diseases that are transmissible. Um, and then once um, they have all that and also the cat's blood type then they go into uh, a list of blood donors um, and at that point you're gonna get called kind of um, out of the blue it's usually not much notice they're like okay like we're you know we have you know a lot of cases this week and we're gonna need to replenish our, our blood bank so like can you come in like now <laughs> yeah that um that
1: makes sense and it's so It's actually quite great that they've got that screening process as well because it's just another check to make sure that your pet is the right temperament and has the right, um, well, doesn't have the illnesses that they need to be concerned about. So that's quite awesome Mm -hmm. that they do that. And um, I'm not sure if you're the right person to ask, but I suppose we should also talk about why it's so important that if your pets can donate blood that they do because – for example, in the human side of things like they, they're constantly running out of blood, especially right now. We're recording this in May 2020, right in the middle of the COVID corona, cr- coronavirus pandemic. And I know that a lot of the blood banks are running out of blood. So is that the similar reason as to why if, we, if our pets can donate blood that we should?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so right around the time that Munchkin donated, my friend's dog was diagnosed with uh, immune mediated hemolytic anemia, which is basically like uh, an immune disease where his body is attacking his own red blood cells. And so he went in and he was severely anemic and he needed a blood transfusion um, to save his life. Um, And so there's a lot of diseases like that, um, like the same kind of things that people can have that, you know, that they become anemic or, you know, of course, there's also like acute traumas, like if your pet gets hit by a car or something and you end up uh, in emergency, then there's a, you know, there's a chance that your pet is going to need uh, a blood transfusion. So um, it's definitely important that uh, that there is uh, a supply for when those uh, times come.
2: So I want to touch on now something that you mentioned before with the kayak and how you trained Munchkin to use a kayak, which is clicker training. So you do a lot of clicker training with Munchkin. How did you get started?
0: Um, I first learned about clicker training when Cowboy was a puppy. Uh, we did like puppy obedience classes with him. And the first thing that they told us to do was to clicker train him. Um, so I had a lot of experience in clicker training him. He did in his prime, <laughs> he did um, agility and all kinds of sports. And then we got into freestyle frisbee. And he he actually was the first Canadian national champion in freestyle frisbee. Wow. Um, Yeah. So he's retired now. Unfortunately, he's got some arthritis and he can't really run and um, play frisbee anymore. Um, But yeah, when I got Munchkin, uh, I said, why not? Like they use clicker training to train zoo animals, um, to train them basically to come and like let you uh, take blood and things like that. So for sure, it's going to it's going to work well with cats, too.
1: So, what have you taught Munchkin to do with the clicker?
0: Uh, Munchkin has a, a repertoire of tricks. Um, the clicker definitely helped with the the kayak training, like like I mentioned. Um, he knows sit, uh, spin, give paw. He can jump through a hoop. Um, he, we're working on a recall, uh, and we're working on stay as well um and weaving through my legs um there's a lot that's like still a work in progress of course skateboard (laughs) as
1: well is pretty cool
0: yes yeah of course the skateboard yeah he likes to skateboard (laughs) (laughs) so um you
1: mentioned that uh you use the clicker training for kayaking do you use it for any other cat exploring?
0: Um, Yeah, so I use the target stick primarily now with cat exploring. Um, It definitely helps to kind of keep him on track when he's not like really walking in a straight line. I actually forgot my clicker when we went walking in the woods the other day. And it was like his focus was just on everything but me. So I'm like, okay, yeah, no, it definitely has helped a lot for cat exploring. So when you,
1: because I assume when you're walking with Munchkin, he's on the leash in front of you. So how do you use the target stick in front of him? Do you get what I mean? Is, is the target stick long enough to reach in front of Munchkin? How does the mechanics work? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, so, you know, he's primarily, he'll be in front of me when he's walking, um, and he has that extendable leash, uh, and he, with practice and, and, and always doing the same trails, he'll kind of, like, stick to the trail, but for sure, sometimes he's, like, a little bit too into the, all the blades of grass and the leaves that are moving, um, and so the target stick has that, like, ball on the end of it, um, and you'll probably notice that most target sticks have like either a yellow or maybe green ball. There's It's usually one of those colors. So with the the color palette that they can see, that's like really um, going to be bright and pop for them. So the, the ball on the target stick primarily kind of catches his uh, attention visually. Um, and then also when you extend it, it has like a certain sound. So that like he'll hear that and he'll know like, oh, OK, like now... Now we're we're training, and I'll extend it all the way out, and then I'll kind of like guide him to you know in the direction that we're going with the target stick. Okay,
2: so it's, it's, you're sort of using it like to bring him back to where you want him to go, or what what you want him to do is that right? So say so yeah. he's a little distracted, you can sort of wave it and get him to come back to the trail. Yeah, exactly.
1: And then do you click when he? goes back to where you you're trying to get him to go
0: yeah so usually I'll kind of wait for the um the the contact his nose touching the yeah. the ball um and then like once I've got his attention I don't necessarily need to keep using the target because now he's like oh okay like now we're working and he'll he'll follow along in like a perfect heel and he'll keep giving me these little like <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> I'm doing it, Mom. Like, look, I'm doing a perfect heel. Like I'm being good, right? I deserve a cookie, right? Like <laughs>
1: <laughs> Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And so, because I'm trying to imagine the mechanics in my head. So you've got munchkin. Do you normally have cowboy when you're using the clicker as well?
0: Yes, but when we're in the woods, I'll I'll let cowboy off leash because okay. he's like, he's got a really good recall, and, and he's uh, he's a herding breed, so he likes to always be close and to follow. So then, um,
1: because one of the challenges we have with our clicker is that Lumos and Noxy get really confused about who we're training. Like, we have to have them in specific spots so that they know whose turn it is. Does that happen with Cowboy and Munchkin?
0: Um, Cowboy, like, for sure, when we have food out, he's kind of like, okay, me too, me too. But he's... Um, <laughs> He's now deaf, so it does kind of <laughs> help <laughs> that he's not going to be too uh, confused by the clicker.
2: So let's jump into something that involves the clicker to an extent and Munchkin and yourself. And Can you tell us a little bit about the TV show?
0: Yeah, um, so my uh, technician friends had kind of shared with me there was this like recruitment video on social media where, um, it's, it was kind of like a America's got talent, but for pets. Um, and there was a couple of them that tagged me in it and they're like, Oh my God, like you have to do this with Munchkin. Like this is perfect for Munchkin. And I was like, okay, yeah, for sure. Um, so we sent in an application and we were one of 2000 applications that, uh, yeah, that got accepted um, and they were looking all over uh, Quebec um, and they interviewed 200 pets from all over the province. And um, we were so lucky to make it on. Um, We were one of 60 pets that actually got to be part of the show. Wow, those numbers are just incredible.
1: so awesome so so it's a bit like a I suppose um a talent show where Munchkin showed up he's the things that he can do uh, but one thing that I really loved is because you kind of took up the Cat Explorer community Facebook group through your journey and uh, what I loved was the amount of thought that you and the production company put into making sure that the experience was enjoyable for Munchkin because um like we've done a tiny, tiny bit of filming with Lumos and Noxy and it can be quite stressful for them. So what I really loved was that thought that you put in. And like from memory, the um, production company gave you some packs, and you actually reached out to our, bra- um, our Facebook group and brainstormed which ones were right for Munchkin. Do you mind taking us through what you did in the end to make sure that he was comfortable and happy?
0: Yeah, so the production company because they were bringing pets in from all over the province um they offered everyone um well there's there's 10 pets per episode so they would offer the 10 pets that were going to be filming to stay in the hotel so they were going to pay for your your hotel um for you and i was kind of talking it over with uh marco my boyfriend um i said you know like it's not, you know, he travels well and he he's not upset in new spaces, he's used to it, but you know like there's good stress and bad stress, right? So you've got like the good stress which is like working out and you release endorphins, but it's still like mentally stimulating and tiring and I was just so nervous that we were going to tire him out with this, you know, big trip and sleeping in a new place and then getting up early the next morning to go to the production. And I was like, oh my God, I just don't I don't want to tire him out before his big day. And then we do all this and we get there and he's too tired to do his tricks. Um but he kind of, you know, we talked through it and, you know, we agree that like, well you no, know, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. and whenever we go cat exploring, we usually camp. So this is like a you know probably the only chance we're gonna get to you know go downtown and stay in a hotel and you know like let's just have fun with it and not stress too much about how he's gonna do um on set. so, so we, we went to the hotel and he had a great time walking in the halls and meeting new people. Um, and yeah, it was just a really good weekend.
1: That's awesome. I love that. And um, from memory, I vaguely remember you mentioning that on set, the production company had like some stuff set up, like some catnip and perhaps some feel Is that correct as well?
0: Yeah. So they were really awesome. They actually hired a vet to kind of consult them and make sure that everything that they were doing was both safe for the animal and and also not stressful. Um, And so she had uh, sprayed, um, fell all over the set. Um, She brought some catnip. Um, They did see that, you know, like it was a little bit more stressful for cats than some of the other animals that they had so they even let us have like some extra time on set um basically like we had to kind of like a a, a practice run if you will and they kind of like emptied the studio everyone went on lunch the the cameras weren't rolling the lights were off like there was there was no sound and it was just like me and munchkin and we just like walked the set and Um, gave him treats and just kind of like let him get used to the to the space so that he would be more comfortable Um, because it's definitely a different environment and there's really no way like at home that we can prepare for that like with all the lights and the cameras and all the 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 studio audience and everything it was like it was very overwhelming
1: wow there's an audience as well yeah oh wow that would have been super overwhelming <laughs> and
2: like as you describe it you can, can you just imagine that for someone like yourself like not being on tv regularly that, that would be overwhelming but then to have both yourself and a cat in that position and all the lights and cameras i can only imagine like what you'd be thinking and feeling so it was really cool that you know you got the chance to acclimatize a little bit more and they were very accommodating to help both and you know it's I'd say to an extent yourself, as well as Munch, can get a bit more used to the the setting and what would be coming so that you would be able to deal with it a little bit better.
0: Yeah, yeah, they were super awesome. Like, I had butterflies in my stomach, and I was feeling nauseous. I'd never been on TV before. And they were just like, it's okay. Like, you know, it's not like airing live. So it's fine. Like, don't worry about it. And, uh, you know, even if things don't go great on set, you know, we have all of this footage of Munchkin at home to share with the public, so, like, it's, you know, whatever happens, it's it's totally fine.
2: Okay, so now, what did go on with the TV show, and how did it go?
0: So, when we arrived at the studio, everyone was super impressed at how chill he was, walking down the hallway with his tail straight up in the air, like, super confident, meeting like the miniature horse and the miniature pig and the other dogs and like totally cool with it and then we got on set and it was just it was just a completely different environment I mean we had really gone out of our way to practice I'd gone to like pet supply stores and ask them can my cat skateboard in the store because he needs to get used to doing this in different environments and they're like um okay (laughs) um but there's no way I could have prepared for like the amount of like everything going on there's like cameras that are on wheels that are moving and like the bright lights and like everything is on microphones, so you can kind of like hear it in the background and so that's the, definitely the first time that I've ever seen him, like, stressed. He wasn't too stressed to take the cookies, but he was too stressed to really focus on what I was telling him to do. So um, I kind of saw that in the practice run, and we just kind of dropped all our, like, high-focus tricks. Um, so actually, one of the tricks that he does is from a sit, he'll jump up and land on my shoulder. So we just kind of, like, we we dropped that out entirely, um everything that he did we made it super easy so like when he jumps through the hoop he'll do it from one stool to another so we like brought the stools closer I brought the hoop lower um so it definitely wasn't as um impressive looking for the audience but at least you know he was able to to do it and he didn't have to focus like too much on what he was doing you might say not
1: impressive or impressive looking but still (laughs) it's pretty impressive like We, um, done one studio thing with Lumos and Noxy and gosh, it was hard to keep their attention. (laughs) So to get him to jump through a hoop, that's impressive.
2: Well, I'd say the impressive thing is that you still managed to get him to do all those tricks in that environment. Like you say that, you know, it's an environment that he was never used to, that he's never seen before, all the lights, all the cameras, all the different people, you know, live audience and that he can still execute those tricks. That's impressive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We were super proud of him that, you know, despite the fact that he was feeling a little stressed, he still kind of managed to to listen to what we were saying. Um, They they had asked me before the show, like how it works with the skateboard and does he need a ramp? And I said, like, no, no, because usually when we practice outside on the street, Like he'll kind of have like a running start. And then when he gets on, the momentum basically makes the skateboard roll. So he doesn't push it, but it rolls and he's sitting on it. And we get in the studio and now there's a live studio audience. And he didn't do the skateboard in the practice, but I was really hoping that he'd be comfortable enough to do it on the live. And I'm like, okay, I'm holding him. And I'm like, okay, come on, you can do it. You can do it. And I put him down and he kind of like walks up to it and stops. I'm like, okay, no, 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 you can do it. And I pick him up again, like, you could do it, you could do it. And he finally gets on the skateboard, and the floor in the studio was like like a non-slip surface, and the skateboard didn't roll anywhere.
2: Uh, <laughs> so I had I mean, to just
0: kind of like lean over and give it a little push.
2: push. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's like sort of a little bit like what we found with our TV experience, limited TV experience, in that they sort of throw up these weird curveballs at you and all like this weird things that happen on set that you don't expect. You got, like, you sort of think about it, you practice that, you plan it on your head and then suddenly a producer will turn around. and it's like, can you do this for us? Or like, <laughs> you go on and you find that, you know, it's a non-slip surface and you go, oh, that didn't work out the way I <laughs> thought in my head.
1: But I have to say, it's still impressive that he got on the skateboard. Like he was paying attention and he knew that that's what he had to do because I just imagine for him, like being, even just the studio audience, like, adding that into the whole thing, like, there's so many people there. He it, he did an amazing job. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely agree. Yeah.
2: All right, Gabrielle, we're coming up towards the end of the podcast, and before we let you go, we're going to go through our final four questions, with the first one being, what is one piece of advice you'd give to new Cat Explorers?
0: Um, so I would just say, you know, to really, like, go slow um and not pay too much attention to what you're seeing on social media because i definitely don't always post you know like the the bad moments and the bad days you know for sure i'm only going to whip out my camera and take a video when he's like walking like super you know fast and like with a purpose so just don't get caught up on what you're seeing on social media and just like have fun with your cat and just make sure that it's always a positive experience for him and for you because if you're getting frustrated and like then your cat's going to be frustrated and like neither of you's going to have fun and, and then that's not really a, a good learning environment if you're not having fun.
1: So well said. What's been the most entertaining comment someone has said to you while you've been out and about with Munchkin?
0: Um, Someone had said something to me like oh that's a that's a, a small dog or something something like that it's it's just one of those you know like mostly it's people who see me walking munchkin and cowboy and they're just like what that's not a dog
1: (laughs) it's probably just the confusion going through their head where they're trying to process what's going on (laughs) so which cat explorers inspire you
0: um well I had seen like right before I adopted munchkin I was seeing um bolt and keel a lot on social media um, and I saw, you know, like that they were also rescued when they were just kittens um, and that they, you know, started like just following um, their owners along, like with camping and, and and kayaking. So like when I saw that, I was like, yeah, like that's, that's definitely something that I, I would like to do with my next cat.
2: What product, service or program has been a game changer for Munchkin?
0: Um, The game changer was definitely the target stick. Like we we knew what clicker training was and we'd done clicker training. And then I did um, like a little course for work on on cat training and was introduced to the target stick. And like this is what you know, this is how I got Munchkin to really walk like in a straight line cuz he enjoys going out and walking and and sniffing the the grass but you know sometimes for me it's a little bit more enjoyable to kind of like have a destination and to be able to get there you know like before the sun sets <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i
1: just realized we didn't actually explain what a target stick is so it's like a retractable stick that usually is attached to a clicker and At the end of the target stick, like you said before, there's a blue or, sorry, a yellow or green ball at the end and you can retract that and use that to encourage your cat to go to certain spots.
2: Gabrielle, it's been so fascinating to chat to you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can we find you and Munchkin online?
0: Um, We are on Instagram, the Feline Adventurer. Um, and on Facebook, Munchkin uh, Adventure Cat.
2: And did you want to give a shout out to some of the places that you mentioned in terms of the clinics?
0: Yes. So I work at uh, Animal 911 Veterinary Hospital, and uh, we have an adoption program for like those cats um, that sometimes get uh, abandoned at our hospital um and the referral center that we're doing the blood donation program with is called the dmv
1: awesome like dmv
0: the in the us the, the car. Oh, car yeah the
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes it easy yeah. to remember <laughs> so that everyone can find those we'll put links to those and a summary of this conversation in the show notes which will be in the episode description of your podcast app and there'll be a link there for that
2: thank you so much for listening today Did you know that leaving a review for the Cat Explorer podcast helps to fund this podcast? So it would mean the world to us if you could leave a review wherever you listen. And we'll read it out on a future episode. Thank you so much for being a part of the Cat Explorer community. That's it for today. We'll catch you next time. In the meantime, enjoy giving your kitty the world.